Welcome around down the only Outtoppers and Bappers podcast. There's ask what is good, what is bad. I'm sure the Outtoppers and Bappers and questions are my co-host, a man who is upset because I showed up a little bit late because of the pandemic. It's Saifietti. <laughs> because of the pandemic, not because of the time you chose to go grocery shopping. I cheese, cheese to grow grocery shopping when my children are asleep. I So what if I left, I left my house at 825. It should have been plenty of time to get to the grocery store, just like four minutes away, get the handful of things I had to get and get back. The problem was, Sai, and I already told you this, the problem was the lazy workers during the pandemic. They're not working hard enough to check me out, bag my groceries, uh, like it's a pandemic like show me a little hustle you know what i'm saying yeah yeah for sure those those retail workers during the holiday season the guy who bagged work my, harder I, the guy who bagged my groceries was named chuck and he dropped an orange and i was like chuck that's coming out of your paycheck chuck excuse me poor chuck <laughs> uh, i'm obviously joking but here's what i will say is fuck essential workers no i'm just kidding still uh but what i will say is everyone who works in the hospital the worst no i'm I'm joking still but what i will say is nurses can go fuck themselves no i'm just joking still but what i will say is Sai, how you doing this week i'm very good how are you i'm doing great i uh have had a busy one as usual and uh just you know just trying to roll roll through things what are you drinking tonight my man uh i'm drinking a sierra nevada optimum triple ipa tonight. love sierra nevada it's one of your favorites it is one of my favorites i'm drinking it real slow because it's a triple and i did not realize it mm, when i opened mm. it you know what i'm drinking tonight uh ooh, tell me i'm drinking an aha i got it at checkout because it was taking so goddamn long to ring me up at the grocery store anyway uh <laughs> i I was really hoping you would do like a take on me joke. Just uh huh, with yeah. an uh huh. I mean, with an aha, uh-huh, yeah. I did a callback instead of a A to B with yeah, a yeah. take on me. But what I what I did, I mean, it, here's the thing: is like obviously a little bit is my fault. Like if if you're gonna buy all the most expensive caviars, then <laughs> it's gonna be a little bit more annoying for them to ring you up. And like sometimes they gotta bring out that big like binder because. Some of the caviars you buy don't even have a yeah. barcode on them. Well, it's it's important to have a lot of different options to put on your silver spoon. It's, I mean, true. I just bought some new silver spoons this week, actually, from Did, the Oneida Sex Gold. I don't know if you've heard of them. No. Tell me more you about that. You know Oneida Silverware? O-N-E-I-D-A? Uh, no, there's a brewery called in Oneida. It might be called Oneida. I think it's called well, Oneida. Oneida, the company that makes silverware, they make silverware for like 70 years or something. Mm. Uh, they were like a very popular silverware brand. They began as a sex cult uh, in New York. I'm not joking about this. this is a I true like this. Story. this Look is a sexy up. story. And then they started making silverware, I think, to support their cult. And, uh, and their silverware persists. I don't know if the sex cult persists. But I think this is like a sex cult where like everyone would fuck and then they pick like one person and they'd be like, Sai, let's talk about all of the things we hate about you. Like they do like group therapy where it would oh. be like seven people telling you about how much you suck. So it's, it's a very like sadistic kind of sex cult. Yeah. It, it doesn't, yeah. I don't think it's good. I think it's like pretty bad. It's pretty bad shit. We have, we have nothing but the finest of silver in the Fieri household. We have uh, it's from a, it's from Sweden. Mm. It's from a little place called Ikea. Well, yeah. I've heard of that place. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Hey, we import you, it from Sweden. Speaking of Sweden, what's your favorite song by ABBA? Uh, the one that's not Dancing Queen, whatever the other song that's popular. I know I couldn't name another ABBA song if I tried. Whatever it, the other song is that po- that's popular. They had yeah. like 20 hits. Yeah, wh- whichever one. Okay. Cuz I was listening to I, w- I was listening to Waterloo the other night yeah. and uh Waterloo. that song's gorgeous. Great song. Like the it's I mean it's a, you know, it's like a very tacky 70s mm. uh song, pop song. 
but the pre-chorus in that, like the way that it just like it does the shift and like does the scale down to the scale up is really cool. I just love the way it works. When you describe songs, I always hope that our friend shows up. Which friend? The synonym song singer. Sometimes he shows up at your house and he's just ready oh, well, to sing a song. Usually he does show up, but I'll tell you what. The thing about the synonym song singer is I did a poll on our Rounding Down account this I week saw to that. ask what people yeah. want to hear more of in 2022. And I got to tell you, a synonym song singer did not win that poll. <laughs> weird. I think people want to hear less it's of him. So it's interesting. Weird. Uh, did, did the winner of that poll, and I know the poll's not done yet, but right now is the winner Chid being horny online. No, I think it was more cool characters, which is, I don't know, like, we don't do characters on the show. It's not, we're not. No, we have things. guests on, but we've never we done guests. Character. We don't do characters. This isn't no. like a character show or anything like that. Anyway, um, so. So, yeah. Uh, I do have a guest that I'd like to bring out here. Oh, you have a guest? I do. Uh, he is from the state of Florida. Uh, his name uh-huh. is Urban Denier. Urban, what, welcome what's to the up? Show. It's me, Urban Denier. How you doing? Hey, Urban, how are you? I'm doing great. Hey, how's how's the Jacksonville Jaguars organization treating you? The Jaguars organization is a first class, A plus organization all the way. It's called leadership. That's what I bring to every team I've been a part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you a big fan of the Con family? The cons, yes, I, I love the cons, and it's not it's no con <laughs> in my opinion how great they've treated me in Jacksonville. Perfect. Perfect. Do you mind if I ask you a couple of questions, Urban Denier? Go right ahead. I don't mind at all. Uh, so here on Rounding Down, we like to get right down to the truth. So uh, I'm going to ask you some some hard hitters here. Yeah, I, I love hard hitters. Just look at my defense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so Urban, is it true that you let a woman who wasn't your wife grind on you in a restaurant in front of you? Excuse. Is this some of that gotcha journalism horse? I didn't. That's not a. I vehemently deny that allegation. Vehemently. All right. Excellent. Uh, so moving on. Uh, what about the rumors that you talked so much shit about veteran wide receiver Marvin Jones that you two had it out and then he left your facility? I, my facility is my facility. When you are the head ball coach, such as myself, people can get angry at you. Yes. But I will deny that anything went down between me and Marvin Jones Jr. So you're saying nothing nothing happened between you and him? I deny it. All right. All right. Another one here. Uh, what about former Jags kicker Josh Lambeau? You yeah, anything to say about him? What I have to say about him is Lambeau should be playing in Lambeau Field with the loser Green Bay Packers because he doesn't belong on my team. I have nothing to say about him. Urban, did you kick him? I deny kicking him. I did not. I deny it. Did you tell him that you could kick anyone you want after you kicked him? I deny that. Okay. Uh, So I recently, I I heard a couple other things and I I just need you to confirm or deny them for me. Uh, I read an article recently where it said that you gave better head than Nancy Reagan. As you say, given, given, I'm a married man. Listen, I, Mm. I, what may or may not have happened at my bar in Ohio is none of Columbus is none of your business. And what kind of head I'm getting. I deny it. I deny it. Okay. All right. That's fine. Um, what about you drinking your own piss and saying that it makes you live longer? I'm, I'm a man of God and I deny these allegations, all of these allegations. I deny them. All right. I got one last one. We got to really clear the record here. Uh, you like turkey meatballs with lingonberries over my Nana's red gravy. I, I deny it. I deny that as well. I deny it. So no on the Swedish meatballs. You're denying you that. should you should have some ligma berries. I'm the ball coach. I can I can eat whatever kind of balls I want. That's <laughs> you sure can. Urban, it was really great to have you here. Thank you for clearing the record for everybody. Yeah, fuck you. Fuck you. Wow, that was a weird. I don't know. 
It was a weird interview, but we had to get it right out of the way because he's, he's a very important man. He, he's he a busy a man. Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised you took a few minutes to be on this very bad podcast. But anyway, Herb Denier. Wow. What a Interesting. guy. Well, yeah. uh, let's get into today's main interview. Obviously, today's guest is here. You may know him from Twitter. He's got a great uh, account and his timeline is full of good tweets and he gets lots of engagement on the Twitter.com. We got to ask him some questions about how he, he manages this. He's here to talk about Bruce Springsteen and the Phantasm movies. Uh, two things that I remember from being a child. It's our friend, Brett Thousand. Hey guys, how's it going? Brett, welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight? Oh, good. I was glad to catch a little bit of Urban Denier there. Um, very odd energy to that yeah guy. he he won't look anyone in the eye when he's uh talking to them which is interesting like it, you know i don't know Sai is a real hard-hitting journalist and i i felt like i could have stepped in as a diane sawyer type but i didn't feel the need to because i did such a good job there i appreciate you really letting me take the reins there yeah 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 you, you gotta let the great the great ones play. it's true and i mean and i don't know if urban denier knows anything about that honestly uh but what i i know is is Sai, i think the only thing that like is a missed opportunity is we didn't uh you didn't ask him how old he was when 9 11 i i had a lot of i had i had to address all the rumors that i heard about him i i couldn't i couldn't bring in any candidate i wonder how show. he feels about building seven <laughs> anyway uh, brett <laughs> You're here to talk about the uh, first of all the Phantasm movies. Uh, I, I believe multiple. Uh, please talk about Five. why you uh, enjoy these Phantasms. Yeah, for sure. And I'm not sure uh, when the last time you've seen one or any of them uh, is. Uh, uh, these movies, uh, which for people who don't know, are about a very tall, very old man uh, who has a flying orb that drills people mm-hmm. in the head. Um, which is somehow not even close to scratching the premise of these movies. I are just sort of a like one guy's weirdo vision. I think that's why I like them. Just like this podcast. Uh, and you know, just, <laughs> yeah, that, that's been my impression. The first couple of minutes, uh, similar nightmarish energy, uh, right, right at the start. Um, but I, uh, you know, I, I'm like a sucker for anything where it's like one guy. Uh, has a creative vision that kind of unfolds over like decades and decades and decades and becomes increasingly impenetrable uh, as you try to this is you you really are describing my long-term vision for a rounding down in the rounding down universe so i i feel touched brett that we're going to have you as a fan because we know that you don't listen to this show that's one thing we know is you get a lot of engagement in your tweets on twitter and you don't listen to this show those are two things we know about you for sure so uh obviously i'm glad to have you as a fan long term and and you'll follow me into the into the mouth of madness yeah well well, now that that i know that you are uh the tall man of the, the podcast world. <laughs> what I will say, uh, I was <clears throat> speaking with Chid via text message before we went on, and I'd never heard of Phantasm, and I, I watched it on Tubi. It's available if anyone watches, wants Tubby. to watch he it. Watched it on Tubby. He also I initially watched Bat- Batman: Mask of the Phantasm, and I was like, "That's not the right Good movie." movie it wasn't that budget was much higher uh so i was talking to chid and he's like yeah yeah it's it's about a murdering ball and at that point the murdering ball hadn't been revealed and i was like an hour and 20 (laughs) minutes into the movie and i was just like no it's not like i've been watching this movie like the movie's almost done and i haven't seen this murdering ball like i was Mm -hmm. like there's guys in robes i've i've been seeing the the dwarves in the robes but the the ball still hadn't shown up yet uh so i was like no it's not and uh, he's like, listen, I haven't seen this movie since I was six, uh, but it's about a murdering ball. It's right there yeah. on the poster. And I thought I 
a little part of me thought he was trolling me because he looked at the poster and saw that there was a murdering ball and maybe he hadn't seen it. Uh, his recollection of a movie from when he was six is pretty impressive, but also watching a rated R movie with several boob and sex scenes in it at the age of six explains why he didn't have the sex talk till he was 19. It wasn't necessary. It, what's shocking about the sex talk that I did have at the age of 19 with my father is like he, I, Liked the movie Reservoir Dogs when I was 11 or whatever. So he was like, let's watch Bad Lieutenant together. You'll enjoy that. Uh, so we watched that together. That was an NC-17 film when I was also 11. Because uh, I, I enjoyed Harvey Keitel's uh, turn in Reservoir Dogs. So that we had to watch Bad Lieutenant. My point being, what's shocking about that sex talk is that he felt the need to have it at all. After all this that he showed me when I was a, a young boy. And I, I don't I don't want to paint a picture like... Uh... I'm, I'm shaming Chid's childhood or anything like that because my father took me to see Pretty Woman at the age of six. So cool. I, I knew about prostitution. Uh, my mother at the age of like seven or eight, we went to go see an independent film called Queen Margot. Uh, where there's a lot of uh, incest happening as well as like very intense sex scenes. We went to go see it at an independent theater mm, and mm, there was mm. just a lot of explaining that needed to happen after I saw Was this the cable movies. car cinema in Providence? I, I believe it was the Avon. Oh, the Avon. Yeah, yeah. We only played the Avon for one week. So just think about that. Like if you'd gone a week earlier or a week later, you would have seen something completely different. Uh, My life was forever changed. And I had a thing for French women after I saw that movie, though, in fairness. Mm, mm, mm. You also had a thing for uh, incest. Anyway, uh, moving on. um, I'm an only child, so (laughs) incest is is masturbation. He he always wants what he can't have. So, uh, Brett, so Phantasm. why uh so mm-hmm. we, you've explained why you enjoy these these films uh i guess are these films you watch regularly or are they kind right. of like a an appointment that you make to watch them occasionally uh, i will say i <clears throat> i watched them for the first time i had seen the the original yeah. one like some years ago like probably similar to you like too early to have seen that movie like 10 whatever um didn't think about phantasm for 20 plus years after that I and then you know in various like Wikipediaing reading realized that there was uh, at the time four of these movies ultimately five of them uh, eventually uh, and yeah. then reading uh, that sort of phenomenally like if you follow any sort of like big like Friday the Thirteenth Halloween Texas Chainsaw Massacre there's a tremendous amount of turnover turnover in those movies like it's not the same director every time it's not the same guys every time it's just like hey we're making another movie with Freddy in it. <laughs> I, all of the Phantasm movies are at the very least written by the same guy. Four of them are directed by the same guy and all of them star uh, some of the same actors uh, who are ultimately non-actors. One of them is a bald man with a, a ponytail who factors prominently into the originals and the sequels. That, that, that's, that's called a skullet, my friend. Skullet. Ooh, I like it. Um, uh, you didn't invent that, did you? No, no, that's sorry. too good for this show. You didn't. Okay, just making sure. Listen, I've already had like two good jokes so far. I'm not so. giving you a raise, so <laughs> just so you know, like you're not getting the money from Burrado hot sauce. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did have some great hot sauce today, but uh, Brett and I were talking before we started recording. We we're talking about the budgets of these movies because when I have to watch a movie like this for for this podcast in particular, I always like to look up the budget. And the budget for the first one was three hundred and thirty thousand dollars. I was like, mm. okay, yeah, that that checks out entirely. Because it's know, all on the screen too as you watch it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then the budget for the second one, which was made eleven years later, I think yeah. 10, 10 or eleven 10 years, years later, later. Same, same director. Uh, the budget was up over a million. I'm like, 
oh, like there must have been like a lot of fanfare. Like it probably became a cult classic over those 10 years. And like there, you know, he got some studio to be interested. Uh, and then I looked at the budget for the other, uh, the other three that subsequently followed it and went down like significantly. <laughs> you're, you're building up and then, then cratering back down. Yeah, it's good. And, and what will always, so, so Phantasm to the second one is the only one that was released by like a major studio. Like you're saying that right. like this has like traditional sense. funding. Uh, and yeah. the studio was like, okay, let's put some real actors in this thing. That being said, uh, so they, went, they did bring in, sorry to interrupt you. They did bring in a female love interest in the second one. I haven't watched it yet, but I have to now because I want to watch the high budget one in comparison. It's good. The, the, the second one's almost like it, it weirdly, the first one, as you've seen, is like the sort of like dreamy, like what's real, what's not real horror movie sort of like conceptual the second one for some reason like it is an action movie it has an escalation uh it involves a triple barrel shotgun and some other wild inventions i uh, i don't know some of the some of the action scenes that happened in in this first one were pretty impressive uh the tall man who went from running to walking to to running again and then falling <laughs> falling into uh the mine shaft and stuff like that spoilers here sorry everyone uh chid i have some important questions i know you haven't seen this since you're six yeah uh, but i feel like these are general enough questions where you should be able to answer them okay and, and brett you can answer too if you like no obligation on your part got it uh, chid have you ever had sex in a graveyard mm, uh are you asking me that or do you want me to bring urban can we get urban and i are back on <laughs> Is he is he still is he still out there? I, I, uh, I think know. he's grinding with someone at a restaurant right now. He's he's busy. I'm asking Chid. Uh, no, the answer is no. Okay. Uh, when you see boobs, do you respond with the word "Wow"? <laughs> not not for like uh, it's not been for a, a while. Solid. It's been a solid twenty years since I've had that reaction. I'd, I'd say. Okay. Br- I still do. I still do. Every time. I mean. High five. That's called child's wonder. The wonder of a child. Uh, child like mine. Brett, have you ever had sex in a graveyard? <laughs> I specifically didn't answer that okay. question. But no. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did the second time. You could have just said it, said no again. Denied mm, mm. not answering it. It seems like you learned from the one. best from Urban Denier. <laughs> you learned how to deny. You got to just say, yeah. you got to just give a just firm denial. I, I categorically deny it. I want to get, I want to talk specifically about a scene with both of you. Uh, and maybe you'll remember this chid and I know Brett, you won't forget it. Uh, but Jody, the brother, the older brother, uh, I just wanted to talk about him casually banging a rando in the graveyard. And then when his brother runs by screaming, he calmly uh, states that it's just his little brother and it looks like we got a problem. And then he casually gets up from banging a rando in, in the graveyard. I mean, uh, I just want to talk about the scene and talk about how it's a, um, honestly, it's a marvel of modern sim- cinema, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that like, it, here's the thing, Sai. if I had to put myself in Jody's shoes and I was in the middle of fornicating and my little brother who I don't have ran by, <laughs> I would also be like, get lost, pal. I'm in a graveyard having sex here. Can't you see? Yeah. This place is full of bones. Not the least of which is my erect penis right now. Right. Uh, what's funnier to me uh, during that same scene, this is my favorite scene of the whole movie. Uh, the brother, Jody, sees the woman's breast. She exposes her breast right away and he goes, wow. He, and then, and then the brother, yes. And the brother, who is also peering in from the bushes, also goes, wow. I mean, that's that, I, here's the thing you're mocking this, but I'm not. I'm there's. It's a mo- Modern this Marvel. Is, it's it's an establishing shot that proves that they're actually siblings. Like mm. a lot of times, like a note you would get from a studio would say, like, 
hey, these brothers don't really seem like brothers. They just seem like, you know, combatants or, com- you know, like whatever. But like in this case, we can see that they actually, there is like a genetic lineage in the way that hmm. they react to boots. I just want to jump back to, uh, in, in your mind, the two things, uh, two men can be in movies are brothers or combatants. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think that those are the only, there's different kinds of plots for movies, obviously. There's man versus man. There's man versus himself. There's man versus the world and there's man versus brother. Like those are the only plot points in movies, in my opinion. What about man on man? Well, I mean, there's sometimes you see man on man. Yeah. Right, that's my see, point. Sometimes you see man on man on man. Now, would you sometimes, say that's combatant? I mean, it depends on what you're looking for. You used to be able to find that in the combat zone in Boston. I don't know if you know about that city. I, I do know all about the combat zone. We used you, to work in it or close China. enough to it. You was near Chinatown, the combat zone in Boston. And, uh, was like an open air sex market in like the eighties into the nineties in, in the city of Boston, Massachusetts. Anyway, um, look it up. If you don't know about it, look it up. But what I will say is man versus his, his brother. That's what makes the movie four brothers work so well. It's about yeah. four brothers who are versus each other versus each other. Yep. And that's what makes the movie. The brothers bloom work so well. It's about three brothers. One of them is a sister. I don't know why it's called the brothers bloom. And it's not a Wes Anderson movie, even though it tries to be one. And they all are against each other. That's mm-hmm. what makes it work so well. Matchstick Men, again, again, about two brothers, a father and daughter, who are against each other. Any other examples? Ba- ba- band of Brothers. A big band of brothers. Band of Brothers. There's a lot ba- of band them, of and they're against they, each they, other. A Brian Setzer Orchestra ba- of Brothers. Paper Moon, a, a father them. and his brother, daughter, and they're against each other. That It's a classic lineage. Hmm. I don't understand relationships in film that here. <laughs> I thought, I don't know, the way you explained it would lead me to believe that you understand it perfectly. Yeah, maybe I understand it too well. Yeah. So, Brett, the other thing you wanted to talk about tonight, and well, I'd say very I, I have more Phantasm things. Hold yeah, on. Yeah, we'll come back to Phantasm. We'll come back to Phantasm. The other thing we want to talk about is Bruce Springsteen. We don't. So Bruce, the boss Springsteen, <laughs> wait, 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 yeah. the boss man. Some people All call right. him the big boss man. He'll make no you walk the line. You better watch it, boy. You'll yeah. be serving hard time. That's what he would That's what he would sing when he would come on stage, obviously, yeah. in Asbury Park. At the start of every concert. Yes, exactly. In New Jersey. Uh, I take it you're a Springsteen fan. Yeah, I'm a big. Uh, you're a big boss man fan. fan, and so the yeah. big boss man of his records, his classic records. What is your favorite big boss man record? Probably uh, the river. Okay. Oh, the river. Yeah, you're the yeah. river man. It's, you don't. You don't feel like the river has way too many man. tracks and is is uh is it's got too much going on on it. I I just feel like like the whole concept of Bruce Springsteen is having too much going on at one time. So that's like sure, the most yeah. Bruce Springsteen you can possibly have. Is that I get you. Yeah. It's, it's like, much, you're, you're just like, if you want to like a heavy dose, if you want to OD on Bruce Springsteen, that's where you go. It's yeah. got, a, it's got it all. Yeah. yeah I see what you mean. Uh, have, have you had the chance to see the big boss man live? Yeah. So I've seen uh, Springsteen live five times. Whoa. Uh, all with like the E street band, or have you seen any of his weird solo stuff? Uh, all E street. Bands nice. I've not seen, I did not see the Broadway show. I'm not, that rich did you see it on uh, netflix I, though I, that's that's called guys and dolls <laughs> yeah, yeah, guys did you see and guys and dolls, dolls yeah. on broadway you're not that rich obviously but uh <laughs> no, did, did yeah. you watch isn't the is the is the broadway show on netflix i think it is right yeah yeah there's like yeah, a I, that. that's yeah. I meant that's one of those things that like you know there's so much content on netflix like you mean to watch something and then you don't watch it and then you're like oh, i forgot this existed until someone mentions it to you five years later it's a real treat i love that about streaming. yeah like the irish anyway yeah, you didn't watch The Irishman yet, you son of a bitch. Brett, did you watch The Irishman? Actually, I just watched it for the second time two weeks ago. And your thoughts the second time through? Uh, even better. <laughs> even, even better round two. 
<laughs> the Irishman is really the Bruce Springsteen's The River of uh, <laughs> of Scorsese movies. I have to say. I- I feel like you're both getting a sense of like the type of thing I like, which is when there's a lot of something, not even necessarily like the quality of it or whether it makes it feel a certain you're, way. You're a big fan a of the of now that's what I call music series. No, no, no. I think I think what Brett's saying is yeah. if we were to meet him in person and have dinner with him, we'd have to take him to a very mediocre Chinese food buffet. He'd be like, oh boy, oh Let's boy. Be- there's a a lot of cheap food, a lot of very bad cheap food, but such large portions. Let's be fair. Now that he's talked to us for a little bit, Absolutely. he would never meet us for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is also true. I mean, I might hook up with Urban Denier uh, later, and just he sounds like he has a good time at some of the establishments. Better make sure like he shows him your his shows you his test results before you hook up with him. His COVID test results or his a little bit of column a a little bit of column b hmm, interesting yeah, i mean i don't know if urban denier would ever say uh the lines from my favorite mighty buddy boston song i'm not a coward i've just never been tested i'd like to think that if i was i, was, I would pass yeah, he would say that. i don't know if he would he say might. that because he's i don't think he's ever been tested for covid no, or anything else no certainly not performance so uh yeah i i will uh agree with you about the uh irishman what a four and a half hour accomplishment of cinema. I, don't I mean, I broke, I broke it up both times. I think like, I, I don't know if I could sit like watch there the entire, uh, you're a parent, you know, like watching a movie for four hours uninterrupted is like a virtual impossibility. So, I mean, the Irishman might come as more, right. yeah, it's across, more pleasant for me watching it like 20 minutes at a time over a week than it would sit in there for the long haul. Should, can I ask you something real quick? Yeah, sure. Do you like the Irishman? Did you like it? That's beside the point of the Irishman, honestly. Enjoying it, liking it. No, 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 no. Because you've been, you've been, <laughs> you have to watch it. I watched it. You've been, and, and I have kids. Watched that movie for a very long time. I understand that you watched it, but if you don't like it, no, you, I just, you just you should you watch want it. me to share in your misery. Is that what you want? It's bad enough. I had you made me watch uh, Phantasm. Uncut Wait, no, like Uncut Gems <laughs> is good. It's a classic. Yeah, what's your problem, Sai? I was, I was it's on good. Your side. It's a good sides. movie. It's like probably <laughs> thank you. It, it's going to be one of the best movies of the last decade. Like probably in twenty years, we'll remember it's one of the best movies of the yeah. Of the but tens, before that, it was guess. like Fifty First Dates, right? The other end, Adam Sandler. Uh, That's not from the tens. How dare you? It off. It's not. So close. you've been You're pestering me enough. to watch a movie that you don't actually like. Yeah, I okay. mean, I I pester you to do all sorts of stuff That's that true. I don't actually care about. <laughs> Thank it's you. It's part of the show. Yeah. It's part of our relationship. Yeah. But yeah, the Irishman. It's not that I don't even like it. I just uh, it liking it again is beside the point. <laughs> it's just a marvel to take in. Like it, it's full of weird decisions that no sane person would make, right. and there's no reason for it to exist. There's absolutely no reason for it to not be like a three part miniseries. Mm. Like it, at at minimum. At minimum, it should be a three-part miniseries. At nauseum. Like it very easily fits into three parts. But also, like all of the decisions Marty made are ridiculous. And it's a silly looking movie. And it's also like Pacino I'm, is good in it, but also I don't the level of good he's able to reach is uh ooh boy. Interesting. I'll put it that way. I will say the the first 30 minutes of the movie where Robert De Niro looks like he's a <laughs> character from a dreamcast video game uh certainly uh was a choice i mean i i I under again like i understand why he did it and like what he was going for but like as you're saying there are things in it that are 
especially watching it a second time. If you love like vid, like late nineties video game graphics, then the first half hour of the movie is really for you. You get to see a, a <laughs> young, quote young unquote Joe Pesci and and uh, Robert De Niro, and it's a real like especially since there's plenty of film of both of those dudes actually young it's patently ridiculous that this is the route that uh that marty took because they don't actually it just it's just it's wild it's a real wild ride are you friends with martin scorsese i call him marty he's my buddy yeah okay i was just wondering uh, i'm italian he's italian i can call him mm. marty he can call me chitty that's fine you know what he can't call me fucking chod Chod. How a dare lot of you? People have been calling you Chad. No one's lately. been calling me Chad. That hasn't happened. I deny that that's ever happened. <laughs> Brett, can you tell me uh, how you how you got your Twitter handle, Brett Thousand? Uh, sure. Uh, so this is going to further triple down on what I was just saying about quantity over quality. But I'm not sure if uh, either of you are familiar with the band Guided by Voices. Yes, of course. Uh, e Thousand is that what it's yep. from? Yes, okay. absolutely. So, so that's my, that's my favorite band. So I, I've seen them, I think like 12. Oh, wow. Okay. Or the, the fire for spring scene. Um, I was really hoping that you were going, it was going to be like a, you're going to be like, I was a really big fan of the nineties hardcore band better than a thousand. And I was I'm just, not. I was, I was waiting for it. And <laughs> I, I thought it might be a guided by voices thing, but I, uh, I don't see you tweet about them as much as uh, I would expect. So here's my advice to you as a Twitter consultant is tweet more about guided by voices. Excuse me. For your advice. I'm giving my unsolicited advice, tweet about them more. Here's what I have to say about guided by voices is I love when they got money to make like the, my favorite guided by voices record. And this is a very, 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 very controversial opinion and not the opinion that I think is shared by anyone, but I think isolation drills is their best is their best record, which is the one they made with a high budget with Rob Schnaff. And that actually is like a proper record. That is the one that a lot of like, the hardcore guided by voices fans like hate that record because it's like cleaned up right i i don't mind it <clears throat> like that song hold on hope which i know is like on an episode of scrubs i think that's a beautiful song even though it is very like antithetical to a lot of the stuff they did early on i'm not a hater of that era of the band that's the only guided by voices song that i know because of scrubs <laughs> they're they, like scrubs scrubs had a solid run of like the saddest like the biggest bummer jams of all time well that like, that's all zach braff season. too he'll brag about it till he's dead he will brag about it till he's like, oh, I picked all the soundtrack. And then also I did the soundtrack for uh, whatever, not Elizabeth Garden State. Town. Yeah, Garden State. There you go. That was Elizabeth Town. <laughs> he also did the, also did the <laughs> soundtrack for the Cameron Crowe movie, Elizabeth Town. Weirdly. Elizabeth Town was a good movie. I, I liked it. I mean, uh, we can get into uh, Brad. I'm going to guess that since you like things that are uh, big and not very good, I'm going to guess that you love Cameron Crowe's uh, output as well. <laughs> it's actually... I, I like some of it. Uh, like I like I uh, like fast time in Aloha. Uh, like, like Aloha is like one of your favorites. <laughs> are you guys? I like Aloha. My mind always goes. So are you guys familiar with the Aloha billboard? Uh, this is a, this is like a no. local Chicago thing. Uh, <clears throat> but for some reason, there was a billboard. I think it was in Lincoln Square or like the Lincoln Park neighborhood. Uh, and they had up like a billboard for the oh, movie okay. for like 24 months after the movie had come out and out of theaters. And it was like a local landmark just because it was like, yeah, a, that movie was gone and forgotten by people the Monday after it came out. Yeah. So, you know, just it, looking up there, it was a movie that was like controversial upon its release. And this was in the pre Twitter controlling every narrative universe. Uh, so like, but it had like, uh, I think Emma Stone playing a Hawaiian woman. Like it, it just like there were some, again talking about big swings, um, but yes, I, I love when movie billboards uh, exist far beyond the movie that they are advertising for. 
I know that in Boston, long after the Alvin and Chipmunks squeakquel was out, there was a squeakquel poster that was like in, uh, I think in, not in Cleveland Circle. It, it was on the, um, along the sea line in Boston. Someone can tell me exactly where it was. But anyway, it was, it was on the sea line in Boston for a long ass time. And I would walk by it sometimes when I lived in Boston and I'd be like, oh, that movie came out two, three years ago. I put a movie poster on a poor sea lion. That's cruelty. You know, I said sea lion, not sea lion. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, it, but also in Boston, there was a, uh, the red line, which runs uh, from Boston to Cambridge there between Harvard and Porter. I want to say there was like a, like a flip book ad. They would sometimes do flip book advertisements for things because it, it's a train that goes fast. And so they'd have like, you know, a series of 200 like printouts and you'd see them when you went by in the window. And so like they had them for like Target and businesses like that and stuff for a long time. Like Apple, I remember had one. I think there was like an iPod in college yeah. because that was when I was were big. <clears throat> but when the movie Coraline came out. At least 160 gigs. Yeah. When the movie Coraline came out, uh, they had one for Coraline that was there for, I, like, I think that was the last one that might still be up there. Honestly, I don't even fucking know, but it was there for years and years and years. Do you remember that side? It was like there for I, forever. I, I too, because uh, I, I stopped going North of uh, Cambridge when I moved to Quincy mm. and uh, it, it, it was there for like a good six years. Yeah. It was <laughs> it a, a long time. Cor- basically Cambridge, long time Coraline city. So uh, right. make of that what you will. Can we, can we, I just, I want before the show ends, I want to get back to the phantasm theme. Phantasm, Mr. Fox. Yeah. So the theme uh, that's played throughout the, the movie, it's, it's very creepy, but I was trying to, in my head, I recognized it and I knew that I'd never seen the movie. I'd never read anything. And I was trying to figure out where I knew <laughs> the, it. From. I'd never read anything. is just a standard statement. That's like a, that's true. Just yeah, I, that in general, I you do, never read anything. Okay. I do not read. Um, but I was trying to figure out where it was from and it was bothering me. Um, and then at the end I Googled, you know, people who have used the theme from this movie and, um, you know, for people who listen to hip hop, like, um, three, six mafia and mob deep both sampled the theme, but where I had heard it from, uh, was the, uh, most popular record by the band entombed, uh, called left hand path. Uh, and they're, they're like a black metal, uh, band. Uh, but I, and then I immediately, I was like, oh man, like they sampled this right at the beginning of, of their left hand path record. Uh, but it bought, it was bothering me so much. Uh, but do you guys like the theme? It's creepy, right? I remember it being yeah. creepy. Uh, that were a real halcyon days of creepy movie themes, like between this and Halloween. And like, they just knew how to like make great. I mean, you know, there's just like great stuff as far as like low budget movies, having great scores and soundtracks. And stuff. That's what I also song. noticed this, the score on, on that particular movie, sorry, Brett to talk over you there. Um, but what I noticed on, on the score was there was a couple like really decent um, songs. And at that point they didn't really have a budget. So a friend of theirs must've been a musician. I imagine uh, the funnier part to me was when the guy with the skullet and the brother, uh, they got together and, and they, they played a little ditty. Uh, the, the, they just jam. They, they did. They did jam. Uh, and it was, it was very catchy. And I was like, Oh man, this could be a really good song. Mm. And and uh, you you keep referring to the guy yeah. with the skullet who is my favorite character in the movie because uh, it's a truly insane looking person to be a major the star of a major motion picture. You know the vibe that I got from him uh, was a uh, there there's like a poor man's John C. Riley that exists in movies now. I don't I don't know who it is, but like mm. I got a very like young John C. Riley vibe from him. Uh, just yeah. just based on the bald and like he just looked like. But there's another guy who kind of looks like the guy with the skullet. 
And I, I know that he's not the same place. person because that movie came out in 1979. Uh, Phantasm, that is. Uh, and the guy with the skull that's in newer movies uh, is much younger. Uh, but what, what cracks me up about that guy. So when they, you, you mentioned like sort of the roller coaster budget. Right. Like the next one gets all this money, traditional funding and everything else. And the studio goes to the director of Phantasm, Don Coscarelli is his name. And they're like, okay, we need to get at least like one real actor in this. So uh, unfortunately, you've got like the two lead guys in this movie. You have uh, the kid, uh, Mike, and then you have Reggie, the man with the skullet slash ice cream vendor slash the guy who jams on the guitar. And they're like, you can like bring one of these guys. Please tell me it was Reggie. And we're going to place the other one. And it is like he, he drops the kid and like they hire a real actor, James LeGros, who actually he's, he's a good actor. He shows up in a lot of stuff in the 90s uh, after that. <laughs> but but the, Reggie, the guy with the skullet, is through all of these movies and like gradually becomes the main and primary character of them. It is. I mean, you gotta, you gotta keep quality when you can, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I, I love an auteur who has a real eye for cinema, frankly. Um, and Brett, I'd be remiss. What is your favorite guy to buy voices record? I, I mean, probably B thousand. Okay. Um, That'd be my guess based yeah. on your, your, your handle. And I assumed it was a, a B thousand reference, but uh, I, you know, I don't know for sure. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of a cop out, but like really the the one that I truly loved that I had in my car for like years and years and years was okay. the uh, compilation Human Amusements at hourly rates, um, which was like their first like best of, but it also has like a lot of like alternate cuts of songs that are not on any record. Brett, that leads me to a question that's yeah. really important. We ask everyone this question. We're hard any journalists here, real giant Sawyer types. How old were you when 9-11 happened? <laughs> I think I would have been uh, about 13. Okay, that checks yeah, 13, out. Okay. somewhere. Yes, because yeah. when that record, when the human amusement sit hourly rates, I think I was in college when that came out. And that, uh, yeah, I, like I was a, Isolation Drills came out like at the perfect time for me because I, I think I had Alien Lanes at that point, which I enjoyed. Uh, I had B1000. Like I, I liked some of the stuff. And then I had, I bought like a few of the records in a row. I had, I saw them live a couple of times in that era. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that like when that compilation record came out, I was like, oh yeah, this is, it's interesting when you actually like trim their discography down to, uh, like a, a best of compilation and it really does. Something. Yeah. And, and that's ultimately like, I, I tell people that's my favorite band and stuff, but then I always have to explain this concept of they like to this day put out like three or four albums every single year. And I need to explain to people that my favorite band puts out albums where like 80% of the songs on record are bad. And, and like, it's just about like, oh, here are the two good ones this time. Then adding them to the playlist of the stuff I like. Yeah. Yeah. They're not even a band that like, I think even that was the thing that clicked for me because obviously this is all in the very pre pre streaming era, obviously. Like I didn't even truly they're a band that like in the nineties, like even their biggest fans wouldn't have all of their records because there'd be no fucking way you could afford to buy. Most people could, you know what I mean? Like, you know, your your record buying budget would only be X amount of dollars per month or whatever. And it's it's tough to justify buying four guided by voices records when you know that you're going to hate 85% of the tracks that are out on the four records. You just have to scam Columbia house 60 times. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they were, they're putting out a lot of stuff. And now it's funny because now sometimes like they'll put on a record and I'll check it out one time and I'll be like, oh, that's a good song. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's like, you know, Bob Pollard and the sleeve, fascinating individual. And uh, I'm, uh, I've heard that there, I think there's a book about them coming out or that came out somewhat recently, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, I have not read it, but I, I do know of it. Yeah. And I read like the 33 and a third on B thousand like a long time ago. If you're those little books, 
was fine. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'd, I'd read about them uh, more. But yeah, I, I think that uh, going into their, if you're their band you never listened to, I would recommend, uh, as Brett said, starting with their some of their best ofs. You can find them on Spotify and listen to some of those tracks. Because they have some tracks that are like, you know, amazing tracks or that are like pretty big. Like Game of Pricks is like yeah. a pretty classic song. <laughs> like They have some songs that are like pretty classic yeah. that are as much as like anything from the indie rock over uh, au revoir, I'll say of the uh, 80s, 90s can be a standard. Like, I, I think that they have a couple songs that probably fit in that uh, in that canon. And if you don't want to do any of that, just grab the scrub soundtrack. That's true. Yeah, you can just get that scrub soundtrack. And then you'll also get like probably some nice like James, uh, James Blunt. And uh, there's some James Blunt. There's a, a lot of uh, five for fighting. On you'll there. Get, yeah, you'll definitely get some Snow Patrol. There, uh, you'll definitely get there's some a key. really good um, uh, Colin Hay. Appear, he, Colin Hay at one point from Men at Work was on the on the show Scrubs, but like mm-hmm. one of his solo songs uh, is on there, and it's really good. I actually like Colin Hay a lot. Like there, there's Me like too. you can see into this alternate universe where he has the career path that Sting had after the police broke up, where it's like he just becomes this huge adult contemporary artist, including uh, the tantric just, sex. I hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all that you know, uh, eight hour sex voices yeah. on his private jet and whatnot. Um, Mm-hmm. but he unfortunately mm-hmm. the path was not for him and instead he ended up on the scrubs soundtrack no one fucks as hard as Stuart copeland though we've established that <laughs> on this show i disagree um and and i i don't think that size right about Stuart copeland are you saying are you going on record chid and saying that you yeah fuck hard i am i'm going copeland? on record Stuart copeland I, I also play drums better than you i challenge you to a drum off motherfucker all you have to do is practice drums for 18 hours a day for the first if i would have practiced drums for 18 hours a day i would have been better than john bonham that's the truth i'm italian american mm. i could have done anything with my life did i practice drums for 18 hours a day no did i practice baseball for 18 hours a day no could i have been the next joe dimaggio absolutely that's all it takes i, I gotta say 18 hours a day seven days a week i, I could have done I, any of these you know things. what i've come around to it i agree with you i'm glad but someone does brett what's something you could have been a champion at had you practiced for 18 hours a day uh honestly i i think i may be up to close to 18 hours a day uh on twitter oh listen to this to guy the viral postcode and i'm and i'm ready I, and I'm, I'm ready to almost declare myself the the, the twitter champion so I, I think i'm there man Wow, wow, wow. What what I really like about your feed is you have like this similar amount of followers to Cy and I, but you get like uh 40 to 60 likes on a lot of your tweets. So what that tells me is unlike Cy and I, most people do not have you <laughs> muted, which is like I gotta say, bravo to you. Like, because I know that I have I have a lot of people who follow me that are afraid to unfollow me because they know what I'll do, but they definitely have me muted. Like, there's no way most of my tweets are they're they're filtered out as garbage uh, by most people and, and probably by twitter.com itself. Yeah, people love me. What can I yeah. say? You have Chid muted? I do not. No, he he okay, sees my good. tweets. <laughs> you get that you get that video like yeah, so often. Of, you know, some of the good yeah, things. Yeah, like, oh, sometimes like yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, here's what I have to say about Twitter is it's really fun to uh, be on a website that used to just be purely like, yep, everything's sequential. It's all in order. And now they've like all that shit's gone now. Like there's, there'll be whole things that you just don't see at all. And then like sometimes you'll reply to a thing with a joke and someone will be like, I wasn't joking when I posted this thing. Didn't you see my earlier tweet? And you're like, <laughs> no, because Twitter filters fucking everything. And I just saw the follow-up tweet and not the initial one. And I'm sorry to be joking. And it's i hate it i hate it so much but i also love it i think it's great well chid you got a one-up on me because brett has never pity liked even one of my tweets i don't think like <laughs> brett's in a position to like pity like our tweets you know what i mean like we're auteurs obviously no he's he just said he pity likes yours once in a while 
no i mean he's that, he was joking obviously like he's not no one's like pity liking like my like no one like calls me chode or like or chod or pity likes my tweets or anything like that i get enough likes on my tweets where i can tell i i know exactly who, who likes my tweets who likes my tweets i do think you were yeah, of later course to follow me than chode was so I, I think there's a little bit of a legacy beef there I did not. I did not really exist on Twitter uh, until I, I met Chid. Yeah, he's a real. Yeah, sure, he's a real. This guy, yeah, please. Um, Sai doesn't follow anyone because he has beef with everyone. Until Sai follows you, it means he hates you. Just so you know, like anyone with an earshot of this, if Sai's not following you, like check right now. Look at Sai's profile. It's at Sai Fietti. If he's not following you, he's got beef with you. I'd be willing to bet that any one of the five listeners that we have to this show every week, I follow every single one of them because when we get new followers on Rounding Down, I go and follow them to show that I'm, I'm supporting them following us. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I, he says that, but I know that's not true. Like, for I don't example, know, I, I lose, I lose a follower pretty regularly uh and it's not because my tweets are bad because i know that's not true my tweets are great is it uh, how many how is it because like your most of your followers you bought be honest like joe mandy did you buy four million followers joe mandy said it only cost him like 20 grand it only cost joe mandy like 20 grand to buy those followers yeah 20 grand you can pay 20 uh, grand to f- buy four million twitter followers like joe mandy. yeah yeah for sure i i had a lot of followers before i even started doing this uh because i followed random people on the internet and that's what that's who we have for our audience Mm. now so Mm. there are people like joe mandy who i feel like twitter would promote endlessly like seven years ago who like you forget exists because they're just not i never see his tweets anymore uh i don't know if it's because like he's gotten healthier as a person isn't isn't on twitter as much um but being on twitter for a long time brett have you noticed like you're you're a longtime twitter user as well correct right have you noticed that there are people who like Twitter were promoted into your timeline or you'd see like their bullshit a lot. And now you're just like, oh, I just don't see them anymore for whatever reason. Yeah. And, and no offense to these people. Uh, yeah. You know, like Megan Amram is another one where it was like, I just like, I, I don't worry. Don't worry. No, she's not she's listening. No offense to her. Amram's coming funny. for you. Brett thousand. I'm, I'm Watch sure out. She's listening to your podcast. It's going to terminate my sitcom writing career. I, but you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, where it's like, who is this person? Like, why am I constantly being exposed to like their thoughts? Like, despite like having like no followers in common, you know, it's a strange place. I really enjoy Twitter. I think that one of the things that I always lament is there are lots of people who are seemingly getting paid to say like Twitter is bad and makes you depressed. And I'm like, you control your own timeline. So like if you're following, you also don't need to go on. Well, that's true too. You also control your own actions. But as far as like just timeline management or goes like you can, if, if you like, you know, or doom reading the news on Twitter, don't fucking follow news accounts on Twitter. Like just don't. And right. if there are people who constantly tweet about how depressing everything is, unfollow them or like, or mute them. There's sort of that, like, you know, like the meme language, of like, Oh, this is like a hell site or whatever. Or like, you yeah, know, it's the worst place on earth. But I, I honestly find it the funniest thing to ever have existed sometimes. And I usually know. go on when I need a good cheer up, like, and, and Chid can vouch for this. He'll be like, Oh, did you hear about this thing? And I'm like, I I, did, I go on Twitter like once a day yeah, at, the end, a at the end at the end of my day, um, and it's it's a it's a nice thing to like wind down my evening with. But I, I, you know, obviously, I miss out on a lot. But you know, I'm, I'm out there living life by not leaving my house and yeah. wearing Crocs. He's living in the sh- in the sheets, not living out in these streets. That's um, true. Like you and I, Brett. But yeah, sorry. Your your thoughts about uh about curating your timeline so as to not be living in a in a hellscape yeah i mean i I do think the site got funnier and better once i started just like following people i liked and uh unfollowed most of the sort of blue check 
people because uh, even again like i feel like they're like comedians i like or yeah comedy writers i like that are just like constantly playing. yeah i i also think that there is a weird people feel a weird responsibility to be like oh i have a platform so i have to constantly write about how congress is bad and it's like no you don't just fucking be funny or like i, I mean do whatever you want again but like i just tell jokes that's what i'm right. saying i'm saying stick to sports stick to sprots as i would say to the deadspin people but um but yeah there's not a like I, I don't know. There's there's just better ways to use Twitter than I think a lot of people experience or or know how. Also, interacting with weirdos is great. I mean, I say this as a very privileged male, but like uh, a white male privilege obviously exists where if someone calls me, you know, any sort of name, I'm not going to actually be offended by it, which happens all the time with weirdos. But I I love like Chad. No one calls me Chad, and if anyone calls me Chad, I'm no one's ever called me that. So like I don't I don't need to entertain what I would do if someone actually earnestly called me Chad because that's not a name that anyone's ever called me. No one's ever called me that on Twitter. There's no tweets about people calling me Chad. Like it's like haha, I get it. It's a joke. Like <laughs> people are pretending that they call me Chad, and then it's like a funny thing to do, like to change the I to an O in my name, and like it's a joke. Like I get it. I get that it's like a joke or whatever. But it's like no one actually does that. Like it's not a real thing that anyone's mm-hmm. ever done to me. It's not like it, it doesn't it doesn't sure? like make me seethe with rage and it doesn't like it's not like my blood is like boiling. It's not like my blood is going to shoot out of my fucking eyes and like I'm going to shoot laser like Cyclops blood beams at people and, and burn them with my boiling blood because I'm so there mad are no it. DMs that exist that are supposed to be for past guests of the show where people exclusively call you Chad and then find ways to, to it, mimic. It's like, ha, ha 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 ha. My, my closest friends and confidants mock me and ridicule me. Ha ha ha. Like, no, that's yeah. not happening. Like, I'm not living in a world or a reality where that happens to me on a daily basis like that's never happened to me not me not yours that, truly that's good like, maybe that's happened to you Cyfietti, vv holes at my door but it's never happened to yeah, me that's good I'm, I'm glad that you're living in a world where that hasn't happened because it would be traumatic if it had so anyway as i was saying uh, i i think that there are lots of good people to follow and you can follow funny people and also block things that are dumb and uh and have a great time on twitter but interacting with strangers i find it to be very enjoyable i just I'll always take the lowest road possible and and laugh all the way to the bank. I just pretend like I pretend to be the stupidest. You play to the lowest level of your intelligence and it's always very entertaining to interact with strangers. Yeah, I, I choose to try to play to the highest level of my intelligence. Lowest is funnier. I am the game. You'll, you'll have <laughs> you'll have more fun if you play, played <laughs> played to the the depths of your intelligence. It's a real it's a real treat. Uh, I one time before Kobe Bryant died, convinced someone that he had basically zero championships and uh, and the person was enraged about this. Anyway, uh, Sai, uh, other questions about Bruce Springsteen or Phantasm? Uh, I don't like Bruce Springsteen. I already <laughs> Sorry, told yeah. either of those you yeah. made that clear. So why, like, what is your uh, specific dislike of Bruce Springsteen and his music? Uh, I, I just think he's overrated. I I, I don't find his I don't find his catalog to be uh, at all so, impressive. So do you um, like any of sort of the uh, sphere of those type of guys, like your your melon camps and your petties and your? I guess I guess I like Tom Petty. Petty um, you guess? I, Have you listened yeah. to Full Moon, Moon Fever ever? Like all the way through? Have you listen to that record? In the people that he listed, Tom Petty would be the one that I would choose. No, uh, answer my question though. Have you listened no. to Full Moon Fever ever? Check out no. that whole record because okay. put out if you put on that Tom Petty record, you'll be like, oh, this has the three big Tom Petty songs I know. But that's just like a fucking masterpiece of a record. It's just yeah. so good all the way through. I, I have a hard time with, and I, I think I've described this before, but I have a very hard time with things that are shoved down my throat. Um, and Bruce Springsteen, like, no offense to you, Brett. 
Uh, but typically Bruce Springsteen fans are like fucking Bruce Springsteen and like shove it down your throat. And it's, it's too much for me. Uh, and I've, I've tried to legitimately listen to him. Uh, I mean, Nebraska is fine. I like that record. Uh, it's, it's nice and calm. Uh, I just, I haven't found any, there's nothing he's done. That's like impressed me. I, and it, who am I to judge? Uh, but it, it just does nothing for me. So you're, you're more in the Northeast, right? So like, geographically you're closer to the boss's homeland of new jersey than i am uh, I'm, I'm much further north of, of, of his homeland but yeah but, but closer i mean i'm in the center of the country yeah yeah i because i do wonder yeah. like your proximity to stuff like that because like one of the other people yes. name was john Mellencamp, mm. and i grew up in indiana and he's like mr indiana like there's like there's three there's three yeah. indiana people there is uh john Mellencamp, larry bird and yeah. bob knight <laughs> and i feel like all i heard about my entire childhood was those three things like john Mellencamp is the one that like i still cannot like, i could probably talk to you more about larry bird Larry Bird, I don't mind. He's from he's from a town with a funny name. French Lick, yeah. French Lick, yeah. He, he had a great mustache. You know, he's great. He's he's of the three Indiana icons. I like him more than the guy I consider to be the bad version of Bruce Springsteen and the best. As someone who lives in Rhode Island and spent a majority of his life in Massachusetts, I have spent a ton of time in Indiana. I had I basically I had a period of like eight months for work where I went to all four corners of Indiana. Um, several times over uh over the course of the, that time frame uh, i've been to the lovely peru indiana uh, which is uh the meth capital of of indiana uh the, it used to be like carney a, town what's that carney town yeah yeah i was gonna say it used to be like a carnival carnival town there's a lot of carnies that live up there brett are you from the which are you closer did you grow up closer to bloomington or to indianapolis or were you like way further south I was way more north. I grew up like closer to like Gary, like Northwest Indiana, like Gary, Indiana. Um, okay. Okay. So you're way so north. big Jackson five fan. Uh, it's, I mean, they're fine. Is I going to get canceled for that? I don't know. I don't know. What is the cancellation line? Michael Jackson. You're canceled. People come on this show to get can't No, when you're in chitch chambers, what you are, anything you say cannot be held against you in a court of law or a court of public opinion. So no one can have an opinion about anything mm, you say on the show. That's, that's the guarantee of the show. Um, but yeah, so uh, Mellencamp, we had uh, our f- friend Eric Time, also from Indiana, on the show, and we were talking about, for some reason, Billy Joel came up and how, like, if you go to a wedding in New York, you're going to hear five Billy Joel yeah. songs, even though, like, who gives a shit about Billy Joel in the year 2021? But you will hear five Billy Joel songs in New York. And he was like, oh, it's the same thing for Mellencamp. If you go to a wedding in Indiana, you're going to hear oh, yeah. five Mellencamp songs. And I was shocked, and not chagrined, but shocked, and I hadn't really thought about that. But it makes sense. That guy has a, a massive catalog and a lot of hits, obviously. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, that, and that's, I think, what I'm getting at. Like, you know, and not that you guys are, like, right on top of New Jersey, but I do think that, like, the stronger Bruce fandom extends yeah. to, like, New York, yeah. Boston, like, that entire northeast corridor chid chid lives on top of new jersey yeah. and philadelphia uh, but... oh you're 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 indefinite bruce yeah he's around. i mean i i didn't i never had a great affinity for bruce my dad like loved bruce in the well my dad had a weird relationship with bruce because he's he like was like a bruce skeptic and then he saw bruce at like a show at like risd it like a show for with like 300 people at it and he was like it was the great one of the greatest concerts i've ever seen it was amazing this is like before born to run i think um so he like was like then a, a big fan but was also uh you know i think was never i think he saw them a couple times after that but he was never like the biggest fan but we had some of his records when i was a kid so i like, knew his songs and knew his music but then probably when i was about one of our the person who did the music for this show Corey major is a bruce super fan and um i lived with Corey for a, a year and uh and he insisted that i check out more of bruce's records so i listened to like all of his early records and uh 
I really, the one that really, I really love is Darkness on the Edge of Town. That's my favorite Bruce record. Um, I just think that that's like a great record. And I think that's his record that is the least, uh, it's like the most, it feels like the most focused of, of all of his records. If I had to like, yeah, see, I, I went for a least focused yes. with, the, with my pick of the river. <laughs> and that, that was the thing. The river is the one where I'm kind of just like, oh man, I don't, I don't know. Like it's like, I even like, uh, so I know that like, for example, uh, to talk about a modern band that's similar to that, um, what the fuck's the name of that band? I'm not going to be able to think of their their name. Um, Titus Andronicus. When they put out, like, they were obviously like Springsteen fans, and so like I love the Monitor. I thought that was awesome. Their first record, their ingredients is good. Um, they're you know they're, they put out a couple other records, but anyway, they put out that record that had like 30 tracks on it, uh, and uh, the most lamentable tragedy I want to say. And I was like, uh, I'm not going to listen to this. <laughs> I, I feel like a lot of bands from like that, like indie rock scene of like the mid to early 2000s, which is, you know, like approximately like when I was like going off to college, like I feel like they all fell into that Bruce Springsteen yeah. trap. There are so many like huge double albums that just like get slapped in the middle of like, here's 35 songs that are all four minutes long. It's Can we talk about the travesty of that double album that I uh, say anything put out? No, I, that's, I mean, <laughs> I uh, I've never even listened to that, but I I don't think that it's, it's god awful. There's there's like one good track that Haley Williams sings on. Yeah, I don't even want to. That was a anyway. I wouldn't even put them <laughs> categorically in the same sort of uh, bucket. But what I will say is that um yeah, Bruce is it, there's stuff there. Uh, my recommendation, Sai, is listen to Darkness on the Edge of Town if you haven't listened to that one for Bruce. I think that knowing your music taste, you might like that one a bit more. Um, but I don't, does it sound like Entombed? It sounds like uh. No, it doesn't sound like Entombed. Um, Bummer. Yeah, it doesn't sound like Converge either, really. I mean, that would have been kind of sick if it did, if, if Springsteen had yeah. pioneered but like, that metal sound. Yeah, that would have been tight. Like, late Hope Conspiracy, maybe a little bit. <laughs> okay. Like, late era Hope Conspiracy. Like Now, now tell, tell me really what, what, you think, uh, what you think it compares to as far as what you know of my musical taste. Um, it's, well, it's more that it's uh i would say that it's a record that like has it's similar to nebraska in the sense that it's got a lot of story songs on it and it's not very hard to follow narratively and i think that um i don't have to do any reading no certainly not but like it it's a good it's like the record of his that i think has like the best like like it's got racing in the street it's got it's got like a, a bunch of songs that are like on their own are very easy to listen to and repeatable and good, but there's also sure. really good like hooks on a lot of the tracks in that record. In my opinion, I also think unlike born to run, which is like the other one that people would be like, Oh, that's like the Bruce album. Like yeah, with darkness on the edge of town. Like you will not have like heard all of those songs a yeah. thousand times on the radio. Like darkness has some yeah. lesser known. And it's like, songs. it's also very clearly like the thing that's interesting about it is when they made, he made darkness on the edge of town. Like it was after born to run basically everyone was like, Oh, he's going to put on another record. That's like a huge stadium, like banger. That's going to make him like catapult him to even larger superstardom. And instead he went very introspective and went for like okay. a much more kind of personal or personal feeling record, I guess. Um, so it's like, a, it was an interesting career choice at the time. And um, you know, I think that people kind of expected born right. in the USA, like that, like they expected a record like born in the USA to be the follow-up to yeah. that. And it, and that came later, obviously. Um so, you know, I don't know. It's, it's Darts on the Edge of Town, I think, is, a, is, is worth listening to. But any of his records are. I think they're all good. As you know, I like anything with hooks, obviously, like Hot Rod Circuit's one of my favorite bands. But anything with like a 
like a, a little bit of like a country twang to it like anything that's in in that realm would be really up my alley so i, I think that's why i gravitated like because i've listened to a couple I, I haven't listened to darkness on the edge of town but i've listened to a couple of his records and i gravitated towards nebraska um out of all of them that was actually a suggestion yeah. from Corey major which is funny yeah nebraska's a good i mean nebraska's like was another like weird choice from him, obviously. Uh, and he's done that a lot throughout his career. But I think that like he's a person who has seemingly a deep well of empathy and has never been interested in doing things um, purely for commercial appeal, it seems like, as far as his songwriting goes anyway. Um, and has not shouted... Like, he wrote that song, like, American Skin, the 21 Shots song about the like, immigrant who got murdered fucking by a shitload of cops in New York for no fucking reason because he was pulling out his wallet um, in like the 90s or maybe like late 90s or early 2000s. Uh, it might have been after 9-11 like, when people were like as pro fucking cop as they ever could have possibly been. Um, so like he's been on the right side of history more often than not in a weird way that you wouldn't expect for someone who has such like a high approval rating among townies all over the East Coast. I'll put it that he way. He did he did Streets of Philadelphia and Secret Garden, right? Those are yeah. two songs that he like because I I remember liking from Philadelphia and Jerry Maguire uh, respectively. Right, ways. right. Uh, Secret Gardens Speaking from the Cameron movie Crow. Secret Garden, and it's not from Jerry Maguire. Yep. And okay, continue. Is Secret Garden in Jerry Maguire. What is Secret Garden in the movie Jerry Maguire? Pretty sure, yeah. Okay, uh, I thought it was from the movie Secret Garden. I'm pretty sure it's in there. Secret... Okay, continue. <laughs> anyway, I really liked both of those songs. I remember liking Streets of Philadelphia when it came out. I don't, and I, I know that was about uh, <laughs> the AIDS pandemic, correct? Like that, not pandemic. Uh, that, epidemic. Yeah. Yes. Have you never seen that movie? I don't remember seeing it. Oh, it's that was the first movie that Tom Hanks won Best Actor for. Right. Um, it's it's good. I mean, it's like it's uh yeah. See, regarding yeah. the song gained popularity after being featured in the soundtrack for the 1996 movie, Jerry Maguire. Is it not in the movie Secret Garden though? I don't think so, man. I think the song is just called Secret Garden. <laughs> I think they. I congrats to you for putting that together for yourself. Listen, is there a Secret Garden movie? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is there a movie that either of you, and I'll just ask this really quickly, is there a movie that either of you remember seeing like in a theater that gave you such a visceral reaction that you like, you cried like a baby, like during it? Was there anything that like struck a chord with oh, you yeah. that was very emotional? So I'm going to say not in a theater. I feel okay. like I, I get too self-conscious of the other people sure. around me. But I will say I, a couple years ago, I was on a plane and you're on the plane. I'm already all, I, I get very anxious on planes. I'm all fucked up. Oh but, yeah. Uh, but I watched the movie, uh, the Florida project a couple of years ago. And I was like full on, like in tears on the plane. And I feel like that's like one of the only times the movie has like brought me to emotional breakdown. Is that about DeSantis? It's Ron DeSantis. Yeah. yeah it's about governor DeSantis. Yes. Yeah. I also watched the Florida project also on a plane and also cried. Um, so I think that like the Florida projects, the ultimate, uh, ultimate work travel dude plane Absolutely. movie to cry. Like if you're like, it's just a corporate dude is looking to cry on a, on like a cross country flight. You got to put on the Florida. Hold on, project do we need to do a live out. read for a commercial for a corporate sure. dude who's looking to cry? Hey, it's your boy Chid. Are you a corporate dude who's traveling cross country away from your family and you're looking to get some tears out on an airplane cross country? Watch the movie The Florida Project. From the person who brought you Tangerine, it's a film about Willem Dafoe working as a landlord at a crappy hotel and a little girl who is caught up in a web of deceits. 
Enjoy it because it will make you cry. The Florida Project. Watch it wherever you have a seat back TV. Do you think we'll get paid for that? I'm sure. Like I, I've been told, like just keep putting out shit for free yeah. and then hope someone pays you for it. Like that's that's what I keep being told. Is like like I, I keep being told like if I just make like a thousand podcasts a week, like I'm gonna start making two hundred million dollars a year. Someone will come knocking. It's like that's like that's my dream. It's like someone's got to just like come knock on this door and like and people keep knocking, but the people who are knocking are like Urban Denier and the Synonym Song Singer and uh and the Sherbert Pervert. Which, by the way, who's that at the door right now? Hey, it's me, guys, the Sherbert Pervert. Hey! Wow, Sherbert Pervert is here. The Sherbert Pervert, uh, Brad. I know you don't listen to the show, so you're not familiar with this guy, but he's a guest on the show sometimes. And like his whole thing is that he just has a sexual relationship with Sherbert. That's it. Like, there's not. He he also calls it Sherbert, even though it's Sherbet. Why do you have to just introduce me like that to all of your guests? I don't understand. But like, that's like your whole hold, thing. Like, I, on, I keep asking you what your other wants are, but it's like that's like your whole I, deal. I feel like my name explicitly explicitly implies that I'm a pervert for Sherbert. I don't think there's any further explanation necessary for your guests. You don't need to paint me in that corner. Sherbert pervert, uh, what else are you interested? In? Like, what's going on with you this week? Uh, you know, I just uh went to the grocery store okay so more about the sherbet okay but like can we talk like brett do you have any questions because what i want to do is i want to like know more about you the person like uh, don't tell me about what you're fucking like i Mm. you know tell me about like what's going on in that little brain of yours yeah have you ever seen uh the movie the florida project (laughs) i haven't but you know the climate dictates that i eat a lot of sherbet when i'm in florida and you know what i like to do when i eat sherbet (laughs) you put your put your dick in the sherbet is that what you like to do what what are you talking about you like, you like to to have sex with sherbet oh yeah yeah that totally okay it's weird that you acted like i was the well fuck, i don't but... i don't like to use the word fucking typically when i'm i'm with my sherbet it's making i said put your, di- making put your dick making love I, I was i used the clinical term put your dick in the clinical term like my doctor taught me listen i don't have i don't have health insurance so i can't see a regular doctor okay what 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 type what, what kind, yeah, what kind of doctor do you see back alley kind okay so back alley kind but do you know like is it specifically like if it's not a regular doctor like i assume that means it's not a pcp it's not like a primary care physician is it like i don't have you know, a pcp like, like a, i've been tested okay is it like a podiatrist like what kind or is it like a veterinarian like what kind of doctor are you actually seeing in the back alley i don't know he he tests my blood to make sure that i don't have diabetes Okay. And when he tests your blood, how like approximately how many like baggies full of blood is he taking when he leaves? I you? don't know, but I saw him walking away with handful of Do money. You ever, after let let me ask you this, Sherbert Pervert. Okay, so he walks over with a handful, a bag full of money, like a burlap sack with a dollar sign on it, which is always a bad sign. But do you ever like uh like seemingly uh like he takes a bunch of your blood and you wake up and then he's gone and you like it's as if you passed out? Yeah, yeah, that checks okay. out. That sounds okay, about so right. Okay, sure. So he's taking like maybe three pints of your blood at a time, two pints of your blood, three. I, I lost count, to be honest. How many? So like, you know how much liquid is in a pint because you're familiar with fucking sherbet, obviously. How many pints of blood would you say are in the human body? About three cartons worth. Three cartons worth of blood are in the human body. All right, see you later. Interesting. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> wow, that was... I'm glad we're like really pulling some stuff out of him. Like it's tough. Like I, I feel like he doesn't want to tell us a lot about his life, <laughs> oh, but my. knowing that like he has this like back alley doctor who's stealing his blood and selling it for money is an interesting development for the Sherbert. Perver, it's weird when he say. comes on. Cause I always clam up and I can't ask him any questions. I get nervous. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, it was weird. Like your whole screen was frozen. I, I was like, I was like, is that Anna or Elsa? Cause it's freaking frozen. Mm, you know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Yeah, you look frozen. Joke, that whole time. Joke, thank you. 
I was like, is that Sven or Kristoff? Because that screen looks frozen. How's Frozen 2? Have you dads watched that yet? I have. So my daughter is uh, too young to pay attention to what's on screen. So I'm still watching whatever I want. Does your daughter like the Irishman the second time she watched it? (laughs) She thought it was okay. Uh, She's face De Niro. Uh, she thought it was uh, Sebastian Maniscalco was a little bit distracting mm-hmm. in it and mm-hmm. get him, you know, out of seeing yeah, him yeah, in the, the big comedy setting. Can't blame her for that. Well, uh, we've come towards the end of the show here today, Brett. Obviously, we've talked extensively about Phantasm and Bruce Springsteen. Is there anything you'd like to plug this week? Uh, no, I would just say uh, follow me on Twitter. It's at Brett Thousand. So B-R-E-T-T, then the word thousand, how you normally spell it. Um, and, you know, get me up to 1,000 followers so I can remain champion of Twitter. Wow. Wow. This guy is champion of Twitter. And obviously when you follow him, it's not like following someone like Sai where you're going to instantly mute that person. It's like, you're going to, you're going to follow him and like, he's a good follow. So I challenge all of you to go to, go, there's some good tweets in there. Okay. You just haven't seen Interesting them. challenge. You just got to uh, dig Sai, real deep. You'd like a blog this week other than your own Twitter feed. Uh, yeah. I'm at Sai Fieri on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> you can follow tool. me on the internet. Tool. 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 Thank you. Tool. That's very rude. <laughs> that's very that's rude cool. uh danny carey did get I arrested saw, i saw that cool. he got arrested for uh, <laughs> getting into a fight in an airport it looks like yeah yeah it looks like yeah and he get, he got let go so i think it was a very minor altercation <laughs> but uh he he was there he's from yeah. kansas uh and he was there to uh at a jayhawks game I well saw. he he was in their college like drum line so he was there like doing yeah. a college like drum line event for charity so someone like he got yeah. into it with someone at the airport uh, and that's a big dude. So I can't even imagine who would ever like say anything to Danny Carey. Have you ever seen that, that drum video that he did? Mm, no, that I man haven't. is That man is like 63 years old and he, he looks like he could beat up like a 25 year old. He's a house. He probably said to the person, I know the pieces fit. Et <laughs> Yeah, uh, he uh, he actually <laughs> what happened was he confused them. He started talking about um, sacred geometry mm. and they were like, I'm taking your your statement as a sign of disrespect because I don't understand you. Interesting. Um, he uh, yeah, I don't know. Is he in a perfect circle also? Is he also from a perfect circle? Or is that just no. Maynard? It's just Maynard. Uh, and then uh, James Iha is in that. Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And Dar- Darcy. Yep. Darcy's not in a perfect what circle. What about John Ernst? Was, in was he in a perfect stuff. circle? Jimmy Fallon's in a perfect circle. Okay, interesting. I'd like to plug my Twitter is at Chidspin. The show's ad running down size. That's idea. Of course, you can rate and review us on iTunes, but if you do that, I'm going to find you and uh, punch you in the computer. So don't rate us on the iTunes. I don't care You're about that. Punch them in the computer. Punch you right in your fucking computer. What do I care? I'm, I'm, I'm going to punch you He's, right in your computer. I don't give a shit. I'm going to punch you right. I, I, I got hands and I can punch. That's why for Philly, I've loosened my hands. What can I say? Uh, of course, I got chills. They're multiplying. I'm losing control. Um, and yeah, of course, you can always uh, listen to the backlog of episodes. There's some really good ones back there. I personally recommend you go back and listen to uh, anything that features just me and Cy talking because you really learn a lot about both of us there. Uh, and uh, as always, obviously, uh, follow Brett. He's great. And check out Bruce Springsteen. And also, of course, uh, Ur- Urban Denier, great coach. I hope he lands on his feet. Wherever check out Phantasm on, on Tubby. Yeah, check out Phantasm on Tubby, the service. Okay. All five of them are there. As, as always, for Cy, for myself, for our guest Brett, uh, for everyone out there who's listening to this show, uh, as always, fuck you. See you later. Rounding Down is created by Chid. Produced by Sakieri. Music by Corey Major. Artwork 
by Sean Mills. This was a Buzzcast Net production. Wow.